2: Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Hello, happy Friday, and welcome to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. This is the show that's all about spiritual direction, gaining a helping hand in this journey of faith through the help of our many and talented and knowledgeable spiritual directors. My name is Patrick Conley, in for Josh Raymond today. And this, I'll let you know, is my favorite time of year. So we're deep into Advent, and today, December 17th, the O Antiphons have begun. It's a season of anticipation that's filled with eager joy as well as a profound peace. And that's what we're going to be speaking about today here on The Inner Life, the peace of Christ What is the nature of the peace that Christ alone gives? And how can we invite that peace into our lives or experience it on a deeper level? To help us along on this important journey, our spiritual director today is Father Carter Griffin, a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., Father Griffin was raised Presbyterian and became a convert to the faith when attending Princeton University. After graduating, he served for four years as a line officer in the United States Navy prior to entering the seminary. He was ordained to the priesthood in 2004. Father Griffin, good to be back with you. Thanks very
1: much, Patrick. Good to be here.
0: Wonderful. Well, uh, Father, in this season of Advent, as I was just saying, um, there is this sense of peace that seems to, at least in my life and my observation of the season, seems to grow throughout the season. There's just a a sense of of, peace. The Lord, in a sense, taking us up in His arms uh, around this time of year, but uh, that may border on the sentimental rather than on the uh, the theological, so to speak. So, I'm wondering if you can start just with a with an overview of when we're talking about the peace of Christ, what are and what are we not speaking about? Sure.
1: Well, you know, and and first of all, just to go to your sort of instincts, uh, I, I think that it's, it's it's obviously there can be sentimentalism in 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 some of these things, but I think there can also be an underlying truth that is guiding them. You know, that in our minds, you know, the understanding that we're here, we are in this in this a in this time set aside each year to foster in our, hi- in our hearts this, this sense of expectation for the coming of the Lord uh, at Christmas. And, you know, the famous three comings, you know, coming at Christmas in the past, coming the second coming in the future, but also Jesus coming into my heart today and now. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he is, um, as I'm sure we'll talk to in the course of this uh, conversation, he's the Prince of Peace. And that title especially goes with him at this time of year. Uh, he's the one who brings us um, Certainly divine peace, union with God uh, and which is the source of all true genuine peace, uh, but also human peace peace in our peace in our hearts and <clears throat> excuse me peace in our families. Um, so I think that there is in in some of those sentiments there 's also kind of underneath that um, a kind of a foundation of truth that when we plumb that, we see something very beautiful, and we see something that I think people, maybe especially today, I think in every age, really, but especially today, are really yearning for craving for is this interior peace, uh, in this cacophonous world that, you know, noisy world that we live in. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot there and I think this is a perfect time of year to be talking about uh, the gift of peace that Jesus wants to give each one of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it is. And, and especially where it becomes all the more, uh, familiar. Now, of course, um, we, we hear this, we know these words from the singing of the Gloria throughout the rest of the remainder of the liturgical year, save for Lent, of course, but, um, we, we hear the words of of uh, of St. Luke, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, peace to those on whom his favor rests or to those with whom he is pleased. And uh, so just looking at that peace, um, Father, what, what are we, I guess, again, how does the peace that Christ brings differ from other types of peace that we might see, even if it undergirds those other types of peace? Um, because it's, it seems to be much more than—I mean, oftentimes we talk about peace as kind of the absence of conflict or the absence of war. Um, but this is something that that uh, both transcends and perhaps uh, goes much deeper than that, Yeah
1: yeah and and of course there's so many layers to that, but i think fundamentally um you know uh, Saint augustine would, would spoke about peace um as being a tranquillity of order, you know that there is mm-hmm. that it 's not just kind of an absence of conflict, whether the peace is in the family or the peace is in a person's heart or the peace in, is is or the peace of a between nations that it 's not simply the absence of conflict which sometimes can be imposed. Uh, in an unjust way. It can be imposed in a way that, sure, there's external peace, but there, it really is not genuine peace. So the understanding of Christian peace is that there is a, a right ordering, whether that's a peace between people, um, in which case we're talking about a right ordering of, the, of, of their relationships, it's really the virtue of justice between them, whether that's the right ordering within a person's heart, which is really the foundation of which is kind of holiness, you know, the integration of the person, that, that it is really the source of true peace, holiness, which is why saints are peaceful men and women, um, or it's fundamentally relationship with God, that there's a right ordering with God, that that Jesus in his incarnation has bridged that gap and has uh, enabled us to once again have a right relationship with God, which is called justification, right? It is the right ordering of that relationship, Which fundamentally is is how we how we how we receive peace from from our Lord. So when the when the angel said, "Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, um, you know, of to men of goodwill," or all these different translations out there, um, the the men the men of goodwill. I have always liked the one, excuse me, the men of goodwill, because that's precisely how we receive the gift um, of of justification is 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 by allowing ourselves to to receive the grace of God, the sanctifying grace. Uh, that Jesus has come so that we can have that rightly ordered relationship so we can use our wills properly. So our intellects and wills are once again ordered to glorify in God. So we do have to, it's not just something that happens passively. We're not passive instruments, inert instruments uh, in this work of peace with God that he invites us into that with our will but it's a will that has been anointed and sanctified by the grace that Jesus brought, brought us. So there's a, lot, there's a lot there to unpack, but I think it's, um, it's a good starting point for the conversation, for
0: sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. In fact, let me use that as a springboard to invite our listeners in. Have you ever experienced just a, a profound peace, or maybe you long to experience a profound inner peace? Um, have, you, have you felt that before? Have you not just felt it, but have you sensed it? Have, have you known it to be at work in your life? What was it like, and did it last and how has Christ given you peace even now in this Advent season? Please give us a call. Join the conversation. Speak with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. And, uh, yeah, our phone number here at The Inner Life is 888 914 888-914. 9149. Or you can send us an email as well, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Let me go back, Father, to what you were just saying about there, it's not just a passive re- reception, but we need to be actively involved. Unpack that a little bit more for us. How are we actively involved in securing the peace of Christ in our own lives?
1: Well, I think that, you know, it begins by, uh, you know, all, in a sense, we receive grace through the gift of faith, right? It begins with, with believing that, that um, in the promises that God has, has given us um, and coming to the sacraments with faith. You know, the baptism for adults requires, first of all, having faith um, and children, the, the faith on the part of their parents and godparents. Um, and so that sort of is the doorway that opens up the possibility, and that already is an exercise of the will. Um, it's a will that has been been moved by grace. Of course, you know nothing is done without God's grace, nothing meritorious. Um, but by moved by moved by grace, we can freely say yes to that act of faith. Uh, and that, by receiving baptism, we receive then the the uh, the theological virtues of faith, open and charity, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the capacity to act in a way that's pleasing to God. Um, and so all of those are different ways, you know, in those, in, in our life, in our ongoing life, the moral life, um, in our interior life, you know, we, we have these ways of kind of, of, of not only healing whatever may be wounded in our relationship with God, um, but also advancing along that path. I mean, this is the path of holiness that each one of us is invited into. Every single Christian is invited into that. So all of those works that, that draw us in, you know, grace-sanctified works that draw us closer to God— all of those also contribute to our interior ordering, that tranquility of order that St. Augustine spoke about, which is why the, the, the works of holiness or the growth in holiness is always accompanied by, by the growth in, in interior peace. And that's fundamentally what people are looking for. So sometimes, you know, there can be this temp, uh, temptation to kind of treat the symptom and not the cause. When people are feeling restless or, or or afraid or lacking peace in one way or another, we may try to sort of put a Band-Aid on it or find some way to kind of distract them or even kind of ease their minds or maybe met, medicinally or, I mean, all kinds of things, which, and all those things may be appropriate in the right time and the right way. But we need to address the underlying issue here, too, which is, which is fundamentally that people are not, are not close to God, right? He's the source of peace, and he's going to be the one who gives us that peace. So really encouraging people in whatever the next steps are in their life of holiness, in their life of growth and sanctity, that's really where, where we're going to find true and lasting peace.
0: Right. And just based on what you're saying, I can see that the antithesis of this is also true, wherein, uh, you know, if we if we are not experiencing peace, then we need to examine uh, what yeah. you were just saying. We need to examine where we are in terms of our relationship with the Lord, which actually you know i've seen that happen in a number of people's lives in fact i was just having a conversation earlier today uh with a friend of mine about this that oftentimes if people are not experiencing that peace if they don't um if they don't feel that their lives are at peace uh, they can they can sort of tend to push god away but that's exactly the opposite of what they need to be doing in order to secure that peace for their lives yeah
1: Right, right. So, so, so precisely when somebody is feeling restless or lacking peace, or you know, um, struggling with disappointment or despair, and all these different feelings that are going on, these different movements of the heart going on inside, um, you know, the, the the two reactions might be to either somehow kind of anesthetize it, which will lead to a certain kind of peace, but it's not ju- it's not true peace. I think people can generally kind of tell. I mean, I know that. You know, when it went inside, it's really more relief, you know, relief mm-hmm. from the anxieties or whatever it might be struggling. Right. As opposed to that, sometimes it's the harder decision that we have to make, you know, to give up that thing, to break that addiction, to, you know, to ask for forgiveness, whatever it might be, that might, might, might be a much harder thing to do. But then we experience that genuine peace that comes from a rightly ordered heart and a rightly ordered relationship with other people and with God. So I think somehow being able to discern using the discernment of spirits, you know, that we can discern what, are, what, what is really the movement of genuine peace in our hearts and what is simply a kind of a sentimental peace or a relief, you know, or an escape, really, um, which is not the same thing and, and ultimately won't last.
0: Mm -hmm. Very good. Father Carter Griffin is our spiritual director today as we're talking about the peace of Christ. Let's take a phone call, Father. We've got Stephanie, who's calling in from Sugar Grove, Illinois. Stephanie, welcome to The Inner Life.
3: Hi. I I have a lot to say about having uh, inner peace. I came back to the church about three years ago. My life has been dramatically changed through through my faith, and I always feel the most peace. After I've just left confession or I've left adoration, it's a very uplifting feeling that just kind of lets me know that no matter what's going on, everything's okay.
1: Yeah, Stephanie, I think that's a great point. You know, um, first of all, the, the sacramental point—I mean, those in the sacrament, the contact with the sacraments, those those visible signs of God's real presence in our hearts and in our world with confession and adoration—is is is, uh, is really. A place where he wants to give us that peace. I'm personally convinced, by the way, that as we live in this highly visual culture with all kinds of images and everything going on, even in our, you know, you know the computers that we hold in our pockets and everything, and um, that, that the simplicity of adoration is a place where a lot of people are finding true and genuine peace. And it, it's both human peace, but also that kind of deeply ordered peace where Jesus draws us closer to his heart um but also that point that you made just like once you have that kind of inner peace that comes from god and not from the world that you sort of feel like you couldn't deal with anything you know you kind of have a much more supernatural outlook that you realize that you know life hasn't you know since i went into adoration life hasn't really gotten any easier and that problem is still there and this person is still you know a struggle for me to live with or whatever it might be um none of that exteriorly has changed but there's kind of an interior reservoir and a capacity, you know, to, to sort of see that all of these things can, can still be sanctified, um, and it's going to be okay, that Jesus is not going to leave our side, um, which fundamentally is, of course, where we get our, our deepest sense of peace. So I think those are some great points, Stephanie. Thank you for your call.
0: Yeah, thank you, Stephanie, for that. That's a, it, it is a, an, a profound point that when we when we find ourselves in the midst of this uh, this confusion, this noise, this uh, whatever it might be, that, uh, yeah, the sacraments are there, adoration is there, and as you were saying, Father, reorders us to be, um, yeah, peacefully ready to deal with the situations of life that, that do come up inevitably. So thank you. Thank you, Stephanie, for that. Um, Father, just uh, before we take a quick break here I wanted to ask you to uh, maybe just go into a little bit more about what Stephanie was talking about in terms of confession that confession is really a uh, is a time when if we're if we're in the murkiness of sin especially serious sin um, that that can give us a, a disorder and uh, therefore a lack of peace in and of itself and how does confession meet with that?
1: Yeah well, I think everybody every human being, um atheist or believer, Catholic, not Catholic, believes um that there is guilt, that the people feel guilt, they know guilt. Um they, they do things and, and everyone does things which they know are wrong and and the tragedy of somebody who isn't Christian, um, is that they don't know who to ask forgiveness from. And the tragedy of a of a Christian non Catholic is that they're never Quite sure that they have properly asked for forgiveness, you know. And and the mm-hmm. and the wonder that we have, and the beauty that we have in the sacrament of confession, is that Jesus wants us to have a place where we hear Him saying to us in in human words, "I I forgive you your sins." Uh, and He wants us to receive some counsel and to. But to have that knowledge that we have encountered God in a way that He has desired us to encounter Him. Um, which is through uh, the the intermediary of a a human being, of a priest, of somebody who is ordained in order to represent him and to hear from his very lips that that God has forgiven us. Um, And so I think there's something in that, first of all, just recognizing that Jesus has given us this opportunity, and it's a precious opportunity. and, And so many Catholics, I'm afraid, still don't. Um, kind of see it as the wonder and the gift that it is, and instead of see it as kind of this dark, you know, difficult thing to go through, um, and sort of something that you do with fear and trembling, and you know, and you avoid it if you can. Uh, Chesterton said he became asked, "Why did you become Catholic?" And he said, "To have my sins forgiven." You know, and like there's something that we all need in that, um, and that right ordering that is part of that is really the foundation of peace. That is really the structuring of peace is a right ordering that comes when our, or, when our relationship with God is, is ordered again. And when we sin, of course, we break apart that order, we turn aside from that order, we disrupt that order, and forgiveness of sin and the healing that comes from that, especially in the sacrament of confession, is something that reorders that again. So it's necessarily going to, going to lead, if we allow it to, to that true inner peace that I think we're all looking for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Maggie, who's on the phones today, just uh, just sent in the, in our chat here that uh, she she too was thinking about specifically how when when the world experiences this sense of guilt, um, there's almost a, a gut reaction against it to try to push it to the margins and not pay any attention to it. But at least to some degree, guilt is a gift, right? In that it, if it propels us into that seeking out of The forgiveness of God and therefore that's the restoration of that peace and as long as we're kind of pushing that to the margins we might be robbing ourselves of that peace. Would you agree with that father.
1: Yeah, I think exactly. So guilt, there's kind of good guilt and bad guilt. You know, bad guilt is something that if if it's something that we shouldn't feel guilty about rationally, then there's obviously, it's not a rational guilt. um, Or if it's kind of excessive or disproportionate, or if it leads to self-hatred and all these kinds of things. But there's good guilt, which is like a recognition that I've done something wrong and I need to ask for forgiveness. And if it leads us towards that, then it's it's leading us closer to God. In that sense, it's not only, um, it's a great gift, you know, for us to receive that. There is a tremendous amount of confusion out there, and people replace guilt with all kinds of things and so they find other forms of expiation secular expiation and mm-hmm. so that's where you get this kind of quasi religious fervor about all kinds of different secular goods and secular um, ideologies and so forth uh, that is always a false lead you know you go down that and it will it will never tr- truly give you um, kind of the absolution that people are looking for which only comes from uh, from the true god
0: yeah! Wow! Wonderful. Father Carter Griffin is our spiritual director today here on the Inner Life. We're talking about the peace that Christ can bring and will bring into our lives as we draw near to Him. If you'd like to join the conversation about how you have experienced Christ's peace, please do so. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. But we're going to take a short break right now. But we'll be back in just a few moments. So stay with us. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. In for Josh Raymond today as we're talking about the peace of Christ, the peace that Christ has come to bring to us all. And our spiritual director today is Father Carter Griffin, a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Kevin who's calling in from Austin, Texas. Kevin, welcome to The Inner Life.
3: Well, thank you for uh, taking my call. yeah, Father. I wanted in response to what you're saying about good guilt and bad guilt i think for me what changing it from uh, guilt is i've done something bad and then shame instead of bad guilt shame is i'm a bad person and to 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 distinguish between the two if you could just elaborate on that a little bit more it's you know there have done i have done things that are bad and i should feel guilty for it and that spurs me to want to to reconcile or make amends and do the right thing. Whereas I'm never a bad person like my, right. you know, in my spirit deep down. And it's just to, to try to, that was something that was difficult for me to, to get through when I had a lot of stuff to go through.
1: Sure. Yeah, no, I think that's, um, I think you're making an important point, Kevin. I mean, I think the terminology people can maybe use different terminology sometimes and because there is shame is, um, It's it's used in the kind of the tradition to deal with certain kinds of sins and and as something that also can be kind of a healthy shame and an unhealthy shame. But it sounds like the way that you're referring to it is kind of that I am personally, I've become kind of completely evil or or somehow, you know, beyond the pale of forgiveness or or somebody that, you know, God could never forgive because the sins are so great. And all of those, of course, are lies of the evil one, right? I mean, that God has has made everyone, he loved us into being, and if we still exist, if we're, if you're listening to this <laughs> this program where I'm giving it, then he uh, must want all of us to exist because we we haven't been annihilated, you know. So, so he he desires our existence, um, and not only that, but sends his son to die for us so that the infinite gap that we opened can be closed again. I mean, and it, it's the parable of the prodigal son over and over again. The old man running out into the to the roadway to to encounter his son. Um, and so, to anything that sort of takes us away from that vision of the infinite mercy of God is something from the evil one, directly from the evil one. And so, when we do sin, and sin is real, and we can turn away from God, um, and we can go to hell, um, and so we can do wicked deeds, and, and that you don't you don't have to be a, a Hitler or a Stalin to be to do wicked deeds, right? And and Jesus is very clear about very serious sins that can exclude us from the kingdom of heaven. And yet, at the same time, knowing that it's, it's not us that has become sort of inherently evil, but those deeds have become evil, and we have misused our freedom in such a way that unless we ask for forgiveness, then we have turned aside from God and He will respect that choice. Right? And so, there's a very big difference in how we sort of see these different things, and, and true and genuine guilt good guilt is something that leads us closer to humility and repentance uh, and the saving grace that we all need and that forgiveness that we all need uh, in order to continue this journey of holiness towards sanctity. So, yeah, I think it's, it's an important distinction that you make between kind of bad deeds and a bad person. Um, you know, so, so
0: thanks, Kevin, for the call. Yeah. Kevin, let me ask you, uh, if, you if you will, if you're willing when you have experienced this good guilt, and maybe you've, you yourself have gone to confession or you have uh, in, you know, you've received the forgiveness of Christ, um, did you have a sense of Christ's peace uh, dwelling within you at, the, at those points?
3: sometimes not, not until after I finished my penance or making the amends hm or, okay. or whatever it is I needed to correct uh, i did feel, I did feel more willing to make those. Amends, or, or to make those, to take care of those deeds, to fix it, uh, because I think I was stuck in the, the greatest sin of pride, which is I'm thinking that I was not forgivable, hmm. and for to think that I'm not forgivable is, I think, the greatest um, sin of pride, because who am I to say that God can't forgive me?
1: Hmm. Which is a good point, Kevin. In fact, a lot of of people think that that is really what our Lord was speaking about, or primarily speaking about, when he talked about the sin against the Holy Spirit. Um, You know, the only unforgivable sin is that which we have excluded God's forgiveness. So it's unforgivable, in a sense, by definition, because he's not going to force himself upon us. He's not going to force forgiveness, and it would make no sense, because forgiveness is something freely asked for and freely given. Um, And so that, once we kind of break through that pride um, and that despair, uh, that, that we can ask for God's forgiveness... Um, then, then sort of the floodgates can open to receive the grace and also to receive the peace that comes from that. Um, but you also make a, another interesting kind of side point there, which is that there was amends that needed to be made sometimes to people other than God, right, to, 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 to our fellow human beings. Um, and sometimes that is... You know, that's kind of as hard sometimes as, as, as humbling ourselves before God, humbling ourselves before another person and saying, I need to ask for your forgiveness for this. Um, that's not always going to be the case. There are going to be many sins perhaps that aren't going to sort of require that kind of explicit, overt um, act of restitution, but sometimes there will be. Uh, and that will be an important feature or an important kind of uh, milestone on the road towards true and um, true interior tranquility of peace. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, many good points, Kevin. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for uh, sharing your story with us. And uh, yeah, some good points with Kevin there, Father. But I, I, I'd like to go back to something you were talking about before, too, about some of these these uh other ways that the world deals with a lack of peace so um yeah. these uh, sort of secular counterfeits uh, as we're talking about them about things that that we might do and you know we might be tempted to to do some of the same very same things uh in order to seeking out what is true peace but finding out that actually they don't deliver can you talk a little bit more about those sure
1: um Maybe a few different thoughts here, just kind of there's different ways that we can react to this desire for this craving for peace and kind of the interior turmoil and anxiety that we all sometimes have. The most obvious, maybe the kind of the basest, is just to kind of um, cover it up, you know, kind of anesthesia. And that can be all kinds of things. And probably everybody does this to some extent, some of the time.
2: Um,
1: it can be something very innocent. It could be something a lot less innocent. Um, you know, the obvious things, alcohol and drugs and things like that. Sure. Video games, whatever it might be, something that kind of just covers up the pain. Um, and so that's one way. I think another way is to sort of try to, is to try to deal with it by just pushing it out. Distractions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we live, again, in a time of tremendous distractions, workaholism, things like that, where you just kind of go, 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 so you really don't think about the piece. You haven't anesthetized it, you just don't avert to it anymore, um, because you're so focused on all the activity around you. Um, But then there's kind of the most subtle, which is um, different kinds of kind of human goods, uh, at least perceived human goods or actual human goods, that become a kind of quasi-religious substitute um, and an obvious example of this would be like communism, which saw itself explicitly in kind of secular religious terms as the kind of the replacement for the opium of the people. And it would have kind of you know the equivalent of high priests. They would have the equivalent of kind of sacrifices for the state. You know all that sort of stuff. And it gave people a sense of like of having a religious um, alternative, which gave them a certain at least passing sense of peace. It's not the true peace that comes from forgiveness, but it's still there. In our day, in our time, in our place, sometimes it's not communism typically, it's other ideologies, um, even ideologies that seem to have and I do have maybe very many true qualities to them, ideologies of, of toleration. Uh, it could be aspects um, of environmental environmentalism, which is very different than kind of a healthy uh, respect for the environment. Um, it becomes a kind of ideology on its own, almost a religion on its own. even some aspects of the whole COVID um pandemic have taken on religious overtones on, on kind of all sides you know which is in some ways a kind of maybe a secular uh, counterfeit you know for people looking for desperately looking for peace um and all those things may have shreds of truth to them shreds of lies you know but we know where we can always find true peace which is um which is in our lord jesus
0: that's yeah. And I like the the whole reflection on ideologies there, too. And as you were talking about that, I guess I'm picturing ideologies that in some way or other demand some form of activism and mm. uh, that that in and of itself can kind of uh, can can steal away our attention because we get so worked up about a, a certain thing. And whether we're promoting this through, you know, whatever it is, through social media posts or whether we're actually out you know, marching in the streets or doing something one way or the other. Again, like you say, it's not necessarily that these things are not are not good and worthy things to to do. But if we're searching for this peace, what I'm hearing you say is that's not where we're going to find it.
1: Yeah, and and to be on the lookout for anything that that poses um, a kind of transcendent. You know, claim upon us, you know, that huh. something that can tell us what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil, you know, mm-hmm. how to make sac. you know, what to make sacrifices to, you know, where to burn the incense, so to speak. Right. Anything that sort of claims that over us other than our maker um, is is to be highly suspect, you know, and to make sure that we if there's truth in it, that we're very cautious in approaching that and receiving what is true from it without giving in. You know, to some of that. So I because I do think that people are, you know, I mean, you could, the obvious kind of crazy things about like the crystals and all that kind of stuff, you know, you're opening doors to other. That's kind of another layer of this whole thing. You're opening doors to other um, preternatural forces, which will promise peace and everything else to you. Um, but the cost is obviously unacceptable, you know, and it, it is kind of the opposite of the worship of God. So, yeah, this you know, peace is a good thing, but peace is not the ultimate good. <laughs> Union with God is the ultimate good, and that in turn will give us the actual peace that we're looking for.
0: Wise words from our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin. If you have experienced that peace, that peace that surpasses understanding, give us a call. Tell us the story of how how that came into your life. And how you've seen it work in your life? Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Again, eight 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 nine one four, nine one four nine. Let's take a uh, let's take a phone call now, Father. We've got Alan who's calling in from Miniola, Florida. Alan, welcome to the Inner Life.
4: Hello. Merry Christmas to you all.
1: Merry
0: Christmas. to you.
4: I've got a question based on uh, uh, to to the Father. Um, I just wanted. To, I just was thinking uh, based on. Uh, the storm at sea story—that's uh, you find in Mark chapter four, Matthew chapter eight. Um, I've heard different people speak about when Jesus was asleep in the boat, you know, when the storm was raging. Then I've always—I've heard different people say, "Well, that was possibly Jesus withheld his peace for a time, or just there might have been a reason why, at that moment, the storm was going on. He was still with them, but he was asleep." And I just wonder what Father thought about that.
1: Yeah, I mean I I think that's certainly a very viable and 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 reasonable um kind of way of interpreting that that Jesus allowed them to kind of endure the wind and the waves. Um they're in the in the boat, you know, often represented the boat often represents the church, you know, going through kind of the ages and um uh, but it can also represent just our own lives, you know, and 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 having to put up with these things that he stretches their faith. Um you know, he stands up and you know, well, where was your faith, you know? That 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 recognition that even if he seems to be asleep, he's still there and he's still present. Uh, and we all need to know that in our own lives, because there are going to be times when we ourselves are enduring the wind and the waves, and it seems as if Jesus is asleep, that the Lord is not doing anything to help us. And, and of course, all along he knows, he knows what he's about, you know, and that we're safe and that we're not going to drown, um, and the wind and the waves are not going to overtake us. And and so I think there's that's a that's a perfectly you know kind of reasonable um, explanation for that, you know I mean I think fundamentally the the idea that we um, by being Christians you know we've never been promised a rose garden we've never been promised a life of 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 serenity and of ease and a lack of disturbance lack of suffering um, anything that would cause us anxiety or difficulties we were never promised any of that we were promised the grace to deal with all of that we were promised the grace to kind of endure, to, to go through the wind and the waves uh, and to survive and to thrive even, um, and, you know, uniting our own sacrifices, our own struggles, our own sufferings to those of the Lord and and hollowing them, sanctifying them. So this is a kind of a reminder for us that, you know, they, they didn't sort of follow Jesus and suddenly every time they got in the boat, it was like a beautiful following wind and, you know, calm seas and, you know, because now they're following Jesus and as long as he's there, everything's going to be nice. Um, No, on the contrary, he was there with them and it was still a very difficult ride. And that's a great kind of parable, I think, for our own lives sometimes when we seem to have lost the peace that we maybe initially had in our conversion and are suddenly going through more difficult times uh, to, to not lose faith, to not lose hope, to recognize that he's there and he knows what he's doing.
0: Yes, very good. Alan, uh, if I can come back to you too, um, how has that that, uh, image of Jesus asleep in the cushion, how has that inspired you in terms of finding the peace of Christ?
4: Well, I think it's helped me in my journey. I think um, sometimes I feel like a lot of things come at once in life, and you just have to hang on. I feel like I've felt his peace at different times, at different times I haven't, but He's always promised that he'll be there. And I know I know, even though I may not feel it or be aware of it or be experiencing it, like Father just said, he is there. And you just have to trust. And I think that's where the faith and trust and belief comes in because you know that even even he might allow the winds to keep blowing. That day he did stop the winds from blowing, but sometimes for his reasons the winds are going to keep blowing. But he is going to, at the right moment, He's going to be with you. Those, those winds will stop, but may not. It's not when we want it to, but it's when he wants it to, and that's been very comforting for me.
1: Well, I was just going to say the. Um, I think it's actually a wonderful. I love the. I love that text you brought in, Alan, because it's a wonderful uh, text for a meditation. Right to just in a, in the quiet uh, of your room or in a chapel or in a church, just to kind of take that text and imagine yourself. On that boat, getting into the boat, and it was probably a beautiful day still, and you know nothing apparently, the Sea of Galilee has these storms that will just sweep down in a matter of minutes, and like even the most experienced mariners don 't know that they 're coming. So you're down there and it's just everything seems to be going so well, you know, and Jesus kind of is comfortable back there. He's kind of nodding off and you you imagine this kind of idyllic scene and all of a sudden, bam, it just hits them. Um, And I think it's 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 not a bad image of life, you know, and in sort of seeing them and what they do and their fear and you can feel your own fears rising with them. Um, but but knowing that Jesus is there, the calming of the sea, and then ending up you know in their destination once again, it's calm where they always intended to go to. You know that's it's um, it's an effective I think kind of meditation that we can use with composition of place. You know you kind of place yourself there and feel all of the different the different elements on on your five senses uh, as you go through it, and you're walk and you're on that boat um, with those apostles as we all are in the church. So I think it's um it's just a great text to for if somebody wishes to continue this conversation in their own dialogue with the Lord it's not a bad text to use.
0: Yeah, wonderful, Alan. Thanks for the tip. Thanks for uh, bringing that that particular story from the Gospels to us as we're talking about the peace of Christ. And thanks for the call. We are talking about the peace of Christ. With our... Carter Griffin. If you have experienced that peace in some profound way, if there's something that has opened the door for you to experience that peace, give us a call. Help help us help each other along in this journey of faith. 888 888-9149. Again, eight 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 Alright, we're going to take another short break, but when we come back we'll have more of your phone calls and more discussion with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin of the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. We'll be right back.
2: Oh, come
0: Well, there we go. O come, O come, Emmanuel. The O antiphons have begun. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. In for Josh Raymond. My thanks to Nick Sentevich, our producer, and Maggie Groeschel, who's taking our phone calls today. Uh, And our spiritual director is Father Carter Griffin of the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. And uh, we are talking today about the peace of Christ. And yeah, so wonderful, wonderful things that we've encountered thus far. I do want to uh, ask you a question that that did come in specifically um, from a caller who unfortunately dropped. Father um, is a police officer named Al from Arizona who had called in and and uh, he said that he's been a police officer for over thirty years and he's seen some of the some of the real bad things that we can do as human beings. And uh, I know that one of the things that can steal away our peace is not just a lack of being forgiven um which we've talked about but also a uh, uh, a struggle with how to forgive others and that was that was really his question is how can i get to that point of of forgiving society as a whole and other individuals for some of the horrific things that he has seen done and so how do we how do we achieve peace through offering forgiveness as well
1: yeah um it is a uh, it's a kind of a particularly poignant um point that that he's making you know that when you see the evil, and you do see evil. You know, there's that one scene in the the Lord of the Rings movies. It's not in the books, actually, but it's one of the things about the movies. I think that it was kind of a kind of a really good addition. And it was the that scene where Frodo is there, and you know, he says, "Well, what what are we fighting for?" You know, and and Sam says, "There's there's good, there's 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 good in the world, and it's mm-hmm. and it's worth fighting for." You know, and that that right. that recognition that when we are confronted with so much blackness and so much hatred and so much um, you know impurity in the world and so forth we can sort of look around and say, like what's the point of all this um, but I think there are a couple things to keep in mind the first is that that's a very um, understandable but human reaction because the fact is that the one who actually is, should be in a sense most offended by that our maker our creator who created us to be good and to not do these things and to not, um, he himself forgives us over and over again um, and in fact after The flood, you know, he says he will never do that again. He will never wash it away. That temptation is to sort of see it as a bunch of filth and just just get rid of it and start over again. See, he would never do it. Instead, he would heal and he would cleanse over and over and over again if necessary. And we ask for the grace to be like him, you know, to sort of say, like, this is, I don't understand this, and it just seems so dark and, you know, wrong to me. But I really want to imitate God who looks upon these individuals as individuals, as human beings who are not all bad. Uh, He sees the good in them. Um, and he wants them to come to back to the way of salvation, so I think one is asking for kind of the capacity to to sort of see with the eyes of Jesus really upon upon his people. Um, also I think a sense of hope um, that God and his justice uh, and his mercy will always triumph uh, in the end. Um, mm-hmm. there's kind of the the short term justice which can often be derailed uh, human justice um, but but nobody in a sense escapes justice escapes God uh, and is justice at the end. I mean, there is a real judgment at the end. And, and sometimes people encounter, you know, unrepentant and, you know, people who seem to be just completely vitiated. And we believe that there is still good in them and pe- the possibility of conversion. But even if there isn't, you know, we don't have to necessarily fix that or address that um, or kind of execute justice, you know, that that, that it will be done um, after after we all die. We will all encounter the Lord. Um, and then I think lastly is kind of a humility sort of recognizing that we are each capable of doing, you know, but for the grace of God, we're capable of, of, of doing the very worst things, the worst sins. And it may be that we can grow in some sort of a modest, uh, modesty about our assessment of others and their actions and a humility in ourselves. When we recognize that people have been given all kinds of circumstances that maybe set them up for failure in a way that we weren't set up for, um, that we've received graces that they haven't received. It doesn't mean that they, weren't free, it doesn't mean that they couldn't have avoided doing some of those things, but it may be that we're looking at them with a kind of a jaundiced eye, that we're not looking at them really truly and um, kind of ob- objectively. We're looking at them from our own experience. You're like how like, I would never do that. I could never imagine doing that to somebody else, and that's probably true. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're somehow of a different species, you know, that we're incapable of doing something equally bad. Sometimes the things that we think are so bad, you know, are in fact bad, but things that we think are kind of more innocent sins can be, can, be, can, be, can, be, can be terrible. You know, I mean, the way we tear somebody down in their reputation, we tell lies about them or calumniate them. I mean, that's, you know, Aquinas says that's worse than murder, you know, worse than murder. And, you know, we look at a murder and we say, well, this person's so wicked and how could God ever forgive them? How could I forgive them? How could their, their families, you know, their other families forgive them? And yet there we are, you know, doing something that is even worse, according to the angelic doctor. So I think maybe having a certain modesty about ourselves and our own sins and our own need for God's mercy can also help us in that, in that work of forgiveness. And then I guess maybe the last point is just to say that sometimes what people think is forgiveness is really not. It's the feeling of forgiveness that they're referring to, which um, it's a wonderful thing to feel that you forgive somebody and to feel forgiven by somebody. Um, but it's not, fun, it's not really needed. It's not essential to the act of forgiveness, which is, which is a choice of the will which we sometimes have to go back to over and over again when we've been very deeply hurt by somebody, and it's understandable that it doesn't come easily. But just to choose to forgive itself is very beautiful in the eyes of God, and in some ways, maybe even more beautiful when we don't feel it, you know, because we're choosing yeah. anyway, and I choose yeah. to forgive this person. So there's there's kind of a lot lot there maybe but it's I, I, I think it's a great question that Al has and um, hopefully that maybe gives
0: a, a starting point for an answer yeah absolutely and Al we hope you heard that um it was certainly edifying to the rest of us who did so thank you for that father Griffin uh, let's take another phone call we've got Claire who's coming in calling in from Traverse City Michigan Claire welcome to the inner
2: life oh hello thank you uh, well I'll try to make a very long story short but um Uh, my son had been critically injured in a car accident when he was 15 and had become addicted to Oxycontin, um, you know, the pain medication. And um, long story short, he ended up going to a year-long rehab when he was 18, and um, he was actually doing really well, and he went to help somebody else who was struggling And unfortunately, they both ended up using it. My son overdosed, and um, this person was afraid to call for help because they thought they'd be arrested. So he was down for a significant period without adequate oxygen. Finally, it was a state trooper who tried to revive him and had him airlifted to a hospital. And then by the time I got there, my husband and I the um doctors said to me look he's probably brain damaged he um was uh without adequate oxygen for so long and he you know he had a heart attack all these issues and um my husband just began to sob and I just felt this calmness come over me and I just said I want to give it more time I want to wait and see and we just had people praying and praying for him and um th- 3 days later he woke up and he was completely fine he went on to college and got a 3.8 gpa and um i know it was just god's peace and that the holy spirit you know helping me make that decision you know so i just wanted to share that to offer hope to other people um
1: thanks claire <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful story. Gosh, um, I didn't know where that was going to go when you were, <laughs> we were talking about it and it it's such a happy ending. Um, and I'm so happy f- for, for you and for your son and your husband. Um, and, and the point that you make about that moment, you know, when the doctor came to you and said, um, what he said, and you had that profound sense of peace and you spoke out of that piece and you had wisdom, <clears throat> excuse me, that came from that piece, I think is a really fine point. Um, it's something that requires a certain amount of discernment and right? it requires a certain amount of kind of proximity to the lord to know the difference between that and just kind of numbness for example or you know just purely human peace but when the peace of the spirit descends upon our hearts it has a unique feel and when we experience that like there that we can we can generally trust the decisions and the insights that we have at that moment you know that we we have that he's going to come he's sort of taking the reins you know the the gifts of the holy spirit uh says are like the difference between when you're you know moral virtues are like rowing rowing the boat and the gifts are like the when the wind takes the sail and you can you can you can ease off the oars because the wind is taking you and that moment where you allow the holy spirit to kind of take you down and as you did there uh, and we, And you see the fruits of that, um, obviously sometimes the the story ends differently, and it 's much harder and more tragic, um, but even there that, that the peace of the peace of Christ can be with us even in those very dark moments in our lives, um, and to kind of have confidence in that as well, as we were talking a little bit earlier about the storm at sea. Um, but it's a beautiful beautiful story and a great ending and 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 uh and I'm so happy to hear that things have turned out all right but also just a great insight about your reaction to experiencing that peace at the moment uh in the hospital there so thanks Claire for that
0: yeah indeed thanks Claire um what a great testimony to the peace of God at work in your life um and that's what that's what we've been looking talking about that's what we are continuing to uh look for and hope for and pray for as as we uh especially as we enter the closing days of advent and the beginning of our christmas celebrations as well father just a couple minutes remaining but uh, i just wanted to quickly ask uh before we ask for your blessing um we have that prayer that's frequently attributed to saint francis about making me lord make me an instrument of thy peace um how do we become instruments of peace in our families and in our parishes
1: well, I mean, I think that people are uh, are looking for peace today, um, and, and I think to be a witness of peace means to have it kind of externally exemplified and that means and that can 't be a show right It has to be something that comes truly from within um, kind of that interior calmness, that peace, and you know knowing that there's going to be anxious times in life and kind of a lot of things going on sometimes and you have to be disciplined and and so forth but but everybody kind of knows the difference between somebody who's kind of agitated and running and kind of can 't slow down and you know uh, there's a sort of a, an ex- the sort of walking you know walking anxieties you know and 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 to know that the more that we ground ourselves in Christ, the more that we grow in holiness, the more that we kind of have that supernatural outlook on the world, uh, the more that uh, we will we will exemplify that so I think the first thing is being a witness of peace by, by having peace within us. I think a second thing is really taking seriously um, the call from the Beatitudes to be a peacemaker, um, that that we to be um, somebody who reconciles others, ourselves first of all to others, um, but also people to other to other individuals, um, and and maybe flowing from that even more deeply is the more that we witness to the grace of Christ, to the goodness of Christ, to the to the Incarnation, you know, as we come up on Christmas and, and remember the reason for for this celebration, um, the more that we are helping others get in touch directly with the source of true peace, which is our Lord Jesus. So I think those are some Amen. ways that we can be instruments of peace in our schools and our parishes and everywhere else
0: we are. Sounds great, Father. And we'd love to do just that with your blessing, if you would.
1: I'd be happy to. Patrick, may the blessing of Almighty God descend upon you and all of those who are listening, all of their loved ones today and throughout, especially this Advent season, in the name of the Father and of the
0: Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Carter Griffin, thank you so much for being our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life. Uh, Tune back in on Monday when we'll have Father Tom Wilson with us speaking about hope, that theological virtue of hope and uh, where we can find hope in our day and age. Next up, though, we've got the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, a great place to order ourselves to Christ through listening to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with with Father Matt. seminar. We'll be back on Monday. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend.